Welcome to Canvas, an FBI radio podcast on framing art and ideas. This podcast was recorded on Torrible, Yuggera, and Gadigal land. FBI radio recognizes the traditional custodians of the land and their continuous connection to country. We pay our respects to elders past and present. My name is Michelle Tsao, and I'm the executive producer of Canvas. Today, we're chatting with Rainbow Chan. Rainbow Chan is an interdisciplinary artist working across music, visual arts, and performance, and is a finalist in the 2021-2022 New South Wales Visual Arts Emerging Fellowship. Canvas host Aisha Ash chats with Rainbow Chan about how the development of her visual arts practice allows her to reclaim conversations about her identity. She also shares the history and rituals she's been learning in her research into her matrilineal links to the Waitau people and how, in doing so, she continues the transmission of Waitau culture, strengthening her connection with her mother and her heritage, while also exploring concepts of place and time. It's really lovely to have you on here, Rainbow. You are one of the six finalists in the 2021-2022 New South Wales Visual Arts Emerging Fellowship. And that is a fellowship where you, if you win, you receive funding and mentorship valued at $30,000 and your work will be exhibited at the National Arts School until September. Can you talk to me a little bit about the process of applying and how that came about for you? So the process of applying was recommended to me because at the time I had a studio at Artspace. I was part of their one-year studio artist program, which was so amazing. And I highly recommend if you're an artist to apply for it when they open back up after their renovations. Yeah, I applied. And for me, it was was quite an interesting time in my practice because uh, I come from a background in popular music and performance. And I started creating more, I guess, visual arts practice in the last couple of years. And this fellowship for emerging artists is a really great platform to showcase emerging and nascent practices. So I thought I'd just give it a go. And I was quite shocked, actually, to be a finalist because the painting and installation part of my practice is quite new so it's a really exciting opportunity and all the other artists in the show are so incredible and we've become really great friends over this process so yeah I'm just I'm so stoked. So you touched on it briefly then you come from more of a background in pop music popular music and then you've transitioned into visual arts How did that happen? Was that something that you made an active choice to do or did it just kind of develop organically for you? Art was always, has always been something that I loved. I guess it comes across in my pop music practice as well. The visual elements of what I do is um, something I focus on and spend a lot of time and consideration on developing. But I think the moment of, I guess, a more considered approach to doing art more seriously was almost a response to doing pop music. I found that maybe, you know, 10 years ago when I first started music, I guess the conversations around representation wasn't as developed in just the general mainstream psyche. You know, I think since that time, we've come a long way with things like social media that has really allowed those type of conversations to flourish and for voices to be heard. But at the time, I, I, I just kept 
having to explain my identity in my music making, even though my music wasn't focused on these issues, really. I just wanted to write love songs at that point. But I found that I was always having to um, justify or explain being a woman um, working in a male-dominated industry or being someone of Chinese heritage in, you know, so-called Australia landscape. But over time, I realized that it was actually a really interesting point of provocation and also of, I guess, analysis being like, why does this happen? And I realized that as a performer whose voice and body is always seen, I guess, and is so much a part of the image that you create, I could use that as a way to reclaim some of those conversations or to steer it in a way where I could ask more questions back and it wasn't so I didn't feel so powerless so art was a great way to explore some of these because it's a slightly longer kind of format and the theoretical frameworks can be developed and explored in a slightly longer uh, and sustained form your works in the exhibition they focus on your ancestral ties to Waitao people first settlers of Hong Kong and you worked closely with your mom and female elders in Hong Kong learning about um, Waitao language and, and customs and culture. Can you tell me a bit more about that? The Waitao people are the first settlers of Hong Kong who settled in the New Territories in the Song Dynasty, so you know, 900 AD was when they established their community there. And my mum, her matrilineal line can be traced to the first family, the Tang family there. Wow. So it's, um, yeah, it's pretty incredible. I guess Hong Kong, this sort of history isn't really known about in mainstream Hong Kong culture. Certainly when my mum was growing up, being Waitao or being Indigenous to Hong Kong, I think she felt quite ostracised. And because they were uh, agrarian as well, and often from lower socioeconomic backgrounds, you know, they were very stigmatised. Um, so during, especially in the 60s, when there was like mass migration and also urbanisation, their, their culture really disappeared or started to fade. So these songs are wedding songs that I've been learning. They're called Bridal Laments. What was really surprising for me, you know, I thought, oh, wedding songs, you know, should be celebratory. Incorrect. <laughs> yeah, actually devastating. And the reason for that was marriages were arranged back then. So women in this very patriarchal society had no rights, basically. Once they were married off, they started off as the father's daughter and then once they were married off, they were the groom's wife. So they were always seen as, you know, a possession of a man. So the songs are actually um, mourning songs of the life that the bride-to-be had, had with her um, natal family and then also then moving to this new unknown family with the groom and then forever staying an outsider in that family. And her ties, metaphorically, would be cut from her home. And back then, because travelling was very limited and so often the women could only see their family once a year, one day in the year for, I think it's around New Year, Chinese New Year, they, they could go back. So, yeah, the songs are all about loss, also 
Um, surprisingly, they're quite feminist and very subversive, but it's all disguised in metaphor and illusion. And so three days before their wedding day, they would sing these songs and weep in front of their family and friends. So this whole process is called hokka, which means cry before your wedding. <laughs> My mum's generation, they didn't learn these songs because the um, rituals and the customs had sort of faded out in that in that generation. So my mum had heard some of this music as a very young child, but she wasn't able to teach me any of this material. So um, I had actually went back to Hong Kong and started learning it from elders who are in their 80s and 90s who still have this knowledge and who had actually gone through that whole ceremony. And now what's been amazing is I've been able to sort of teach it back to my mum so it's yeah I guess for me it's really fulfilling to continue this cycle and uh, it's just created this new sense of connection to not only my mum and personal history but to the sense of um, place and time. Totally especially since you know your mum can trace her lineage back to 900 AD and you can just imagine all the people in your line who would have sung these songs and and the history that they hold and, yeah, that's quite amazing. I think the first time I heard these songs I was just so moved by the way, not only the lyrics but the actual, um, almost the grain of the voice of these grannies who had lived such uh, harsh lives. เพิ่งจักบิงเต่าไว้จมยีกวกมาอ๋อปากสิงจองบูลังthey really toiled every single day. But they would sing these songs quietly to themselves as a way to lift morale often. And also they would share this music amongst other women and uh, elaborate on the traditional lyrics and add little personal unique touches to the songs and then that would get passed on. And because they couldn't read or write, it was all orally shared so they would sing these songs in um, what was known as sister houses a women only space usually there would be a widow in the village and as a way to make sure that lady was looked after all the um, younger girls in the community would go over to this sister house and do chores for the lady you know maybe collect the firewood get the water for her make sure she was okay and in exchange she would pass on this this knowledge to the to the girls and it would continue like that wow that's beautiful I think we need to incorporate that into everyday life today I'd I'd love to do that you know how cool would that be yeah it's just like uh, it's so beautiful and not only would they sing and they would learn how to weave as well so part of the work um, for the fellowship that I'm doing involves this traditional way of weaving called backstrap loom weaving so yeah it's a, a way to of, of weaving but it's actually endemic to a lot of first nations communities around the world i yeah i've been learning how to do this and it's so involved and thinking about the idea of gestures and performance which underpin my practice in general this weaving practice really 
is an extension of that because my body forms the loom. You have to set up all these um, threads and then you tie the threads to your waist and then you use the tension between your waist and the threads and then your feet, which is the other end of the loom, and you sort of rock back and forth to create different tensions to tighten and loosen the thread as you sort of weave another piece of thread through the the warp. It's actually very simple, but it is so difficult to get it right Um, and requires a lot of patience and care and love. These women traditionally, you know, they... They didn't have much and so these woven bands that they would create would be their way to express their love or affection for others. So they would give this to them, to their, you know, friends as gifts, but they would also use it as a way to stylize their outfits, which were very modest, usually just like a black um, top and pants, but they would create these beautiful woven threads and wear as accessories, which would also let people know whether they were married or single. So there's just all this really rich cultural history and and women's stories. Yeah, it's just so interesting. And when I talk about it to my mum, every time I mention any of these things I'm discovering for the first time, for her, it's like, awakening these memories in her that are so vivid and I'll mention something like oh the the woven braids and my mum would just be able to tell me a lifetime's worth of memories and you know things that she'd heard from her mum and then her grandmother and pass that back on to me but without that um catalyst of these objects it's dormant you know she's just sort of carrying all this knowledge and yeah that's just been such a beautiful part of this whole process for me this work it's really a lifetime's work of um rediscovering my um heritage and yeah all these women's stories thank you for listening to another episode of canvas unframing art and ideas thank you to rainbow chan The 2022 New South Wales Visual Arts Emerging Fellowship Exhibition is open at the National Arts School until the 11th of September. Thank you for listening to another episode of Canvas, Unframing Art and Ideas. To find out more about the artist featured in this episode, scroll down to the show notes. This episode was brought to you by our fabulous team, executive producer Michelle Tsao, researcher Elena Zorowski, and me, your host, Aisha Ash. Our intro music was made by Jackie DeLacy. Canvas is an FBI radio podcast. If you like what you're listening to, hit subscribe, leave us a review, and share this podcast with someone you love. Check out our Instagram at canvas underscore FBI 94.5 for more great art content and show updates. Kia paitera, have a good day.